You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. It is Tuesday, so you know what that means. It means Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. Back with us once again, and I think this is a really exciting episode we have today, Spencer, because the trade deadline is literally today. Now, this is being recorded on Monday night, so if the Ravens do make a move and we're not talking about it here, that's the reason why. But it seems like it's been all trade deadline talk over these last, you know, 48, 76 hours as the Ravens could potentially make a move. How are you doing today? Doing quite well. The trade deadline is upon us. It feels like it snuck up this year for some reason. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Von Miller just kind of sets the world on fire, a Hall of Fame player getting traded while he still got some gas left in the tank. So kind of gave everybody a little slap in the face that the trade deadline was going to be here on, uh, you know, November 2nd at four o'clock. So there's been a couple other moves, a whirlwind of news, generally Malik Harrison, Derek Henry, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. So a lot of talking points, a lot of content leading into this trade deadline and a, a big week for the Ravens coming off their buy. So it's an exciting time to be talking football and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for coming on, Spencer. And of course, first, before we talk about this, uh, you know, the Malik Harrison news, obviously hoping he's well and his recovery goes very well, that whole thing there. But with this trade deadline, Spencer, in particular, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there are a couple of positions that the Ravens and I guess Ravens fans and everybody have identified as maybe, hey, this is a position where they could go after starting off with the running backs, obviously losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and even Justice Hill before the year starts. Not ideal in any sense, and they pivoted. The team signed Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman and, and Le'Veon Bell. They've been relying on Tyson Williams a bit as well. But the run offense just hasn't been that typical Ravens rushing offense we've come to really know over these past couple of seasons. And it's tough for a Ravens running back, especially a new one, to get acclimated in this offense with not having a ton of experience with a mesh point or whatnot. And there are running backs out there who people are saying maybe could provide that extra juice or spark that the team could use over this back half of the season. So Spencer, do you think that Baltimore should make a deal for a running back? And who are some names that you've maybe identified as fits? I don't think that a running back would be a bad move, especially with some of the guys I had in mind, uh, you know, Philip Lindsay, a runner who provides more straight speed and perimeter run ability. Uh, I think Devonte Freeman's done a nice job in that role, but I think Lindsay would add another couple gears there. The other reason I think Lindsay is a good fit aside from being a relatively cheap uh, addition would be the fact that he has a ton of experience in power run concepts. Denver love to run power run concepts, the man gap pullers, all whatever you want to call it. Uh, he was actually, I think third in carries over the last two years in 2019 and 2020 in power concepts in the NFL. He had the highest EPA per rush on those concepts. He busted off, I think five gains of over 20 yards on those. So Philip Lindsay would bring a little bit more of a, a dynamic ability. He can catch the ball a little bit. And so does teammate David Johnson. I think David Johnson's a well-rounded back that uh, is versatile. He can be a little bit of a big back. He can contribute in the passing game uh, and might be able to be just maybe just a little bit better than Le'Veon Bell in a similar role uh, in some ways. So uh, I think those two could both be nice additions. If, if the Ravens went that way, I would say, okay, uh, is that going to, you know, take them over the top? No, I don't think so. Uh, back wouldn't be horrible, but I don't see it taking the Ravens from, you know, a playoff team into a Super Bowl contender or, a, you know, a, the reason the Ravens win the Super Bowl is probably not going to be because of Philip Lindsay or David Johnson, but definitely would be nice additions, especially if they could get them for super cheap and maybe even with like a 2023 day three pick that's, you know, way down the road, something like that. 
Yeah, I, I agree, Spencer. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all if the Ravens don't acquire a running back. I think they have a, a decent situation in place, but obviously you're looking to improve your roster in any way you can, and I think an upgrade at running back could be beneficial. But also I think the offensive line is a position, Spencer, where you look at the run game, you also look at the pass protection and all the injuries that that unit has gone through this season. And I think you look at it and say, yeah, this unit could definitely use a body or two or maybe five, but it seems like overall – there are a couple names out there who could be available, but the the difference between trading for a running back and an offensive lineman at the trade deadline, it, a couple of things. One, the price. I think an offensive lineman is going to cost a bit more than a running back at this stage, especially a quality one that could give you good snaps. The Ravens signed Tedrick Abwehi, the former first-round pick to their practice squad, so maybe that is their deadline acquisition at the position. But Spencer, do you think that Baltimore could look to make, make a move for an offensive lineman? I think that if... It's a question that really only Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh and Greg Roman and Joe D can answer for themselves. And I think it's having a really honest conversation. They do go get a boy he and bring him in. And if he's the answer, if he's making you feel secure until Patrick McCary comes back and maybe even they're hopeful that Juwan James can come play uh, you know, or is able to get healthy and play. John Harbaugh said today in his press conference that uh, he was on track. He's had no setbacks and they still think he can come back in December. Then, well, that's uh, you know, good enough. But if it's not the case, I think that the best move that the Ravens could make, unless they shock us with a, you know, first round pick sent for a high caliber player and a payoff, you know, something comes out of nowhere, a Marcus Peters like deal that we didn't see coming a couple of years ago. The one that I think is low hanging and easy is Morgan Moses up in New York. Of course, it takes two to tango, maybe. Joe Douglas and Robert Sala do not want to get rid of another pass protector. They uh, want to see what they have in Mike White. They want to evaluate Zach Wilson when he gets healthy from that PCL injury. But if they're willing to field calls on him, I'm, I'm willing to go pretty high to go get Morgan Moses, a player who's experienced at right tackle. He has length. He has durability. He barely ever misses any snaps throughout his career. He's an effective pass blocker. He's an effective run blocker. You know what you're getting, and that stability is going to be there. It's also going to be able to help Kevin Zeitler and therefore help Bozeman. And it has a butterfly effect, a ripple effect, all the way down the offensive line. And having a veteran with tons of experience and just generally overcompensating in the tackle department, I think would be imperative because the Ravens have frankly had bad luck there. They, you know, Ronnie Stanley's ankle gets rolled up on by TJ Watt, of course, and he ends up missing essentially two years because of it uh, and possibly more, who knows, but uh, and then Orlando Brown just doesn't want to play right tackle. Okay. You know, McCary, Oh, their UDFA guy that they've never really started at tackle comes in, plays really high quality football. Oh, he gets a high ankle sprain as well. So, uh, you know, they bring in a way he, they have Juwan James on the back burner, but ultimately overcompensate there. And I think that you owe it to Lamar Jackson. I think that the Ravens do. I think it is, something that is in their, you know, just straight up obligations that you should give him good enough pass protection. The way he's playing, he's playing MVP caliber football. You're five and two, you're first in the division. So if you can go make a move for a Morgan Moses and overcompensate, have more than enough depth, depth in the tackle room for once, uh, or even an Andre Dillard who uh, has been, you know, floated for quite some time, then you absolutely owe it to yourself. And more importantly, you owe it to Lamar Jackson. You don't want to go into Buffalo again and be unable to, give Lamar Jackson time, be snapping the ball over his head and getting beat around the edge and him throwing interceptions because he feels, you know, a little bit too much pressure on him because uh, there is a ton of pressure on him. They'll, they'll go as far as he can take them, but that will be further if you have a secure offensive line. So I think that is the move would be Dillard or preferably Morgan Moses, a, a veteran. And I think either of those could fit within the cap pretty realistically, as well as be cheap 
relatively in terms of draft capital. Yeah, and going off of that a bit, Spencer, assuming that the Ravens don't make a deal, we don't know that, but assuming they don't, are you confident whether it's with the running back position or the offensive line position, are you confident in this Ravens offense as a whole to continue to move forward and continue producing at a high level, even if they don't make a move for a running back or an offensive tackle? Yeah, I think just because Lamar Jackson's playing at such a high level, you're going to get Nick Boyle back. You're going to get Sammy Watkins back eventually. And I think that Rashad Bateman, after having this bye week, after getting his feet wet a little bit, is ready to rock and roll. He looked fast in that game against the Bengals. He's had a couple nice gains at this point, a couple explosive gains. And I think he's going to set the world on fire. He's someone I think you should play in fantasy this upcoming week against a a beat-up Vikings team. I'm going to be having him in DFS. I think it is Rashad Bateman week this week. And I think he's going to have an explosive second half of the year. Uh, the the running back situation, they'll get Latavius Murray back regardless. I think Devontae Freeman has looked really quality. He's looked solid, decent, good, you know, uh, adjectives that describe solid play, all that good stuff. So I think they're in a good place. The McCary injury really stinks. Tyree Phillips can move some bodies in the run game. You don't really trust him as a pass protector at tackle. And then Abwehi is uh, a little bit of a wild card at this point and probably not going to be, you know, a high quality player, but he could be a quality player. So the offense is in an okay place and, Really, the only place I think would be imperative is just making sure you give Lamar Jackson enough protection. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, it's, it's disaster all over the place if you don't give Lamar Jackson the protection. And then he ends up getting hurt because of it, because it's a situation where you could give up the draft capital, maybe even overpay a bit to secure, you know, the long term future of a quarterback with the talent such as Lamar Jackson or any quarterback for that matter, really. So I agree, Spencer. I don't think making a trade on the offensive side of the ball is like the do or die for the offense, where if they don't make a trade, it's going to suddenly become a bottom half offense. This offense is too talented to have that happen to them. But again, improving their roster, you look everywhere you can. And I think that the Ravens could definitely look to the offensive side of the ball, whether it be with a running back or a tackle. We're going to head into our first break, though. When we return, we'll be diving into the defensive side of the ball, talking about potential trade targets and positions there. So stay tuned for that. But hey, Ravens fans, this is Kevin Ostriker with an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about in Get Upside. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents a gallon cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get the 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. We return here, our second segment of this Locked on Ravens Tuesday edition. Kevin Allshaker is still here with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. And Spencer, talking about the offensive side of the ball, getting into a bit of the running back situation, the offensive line situation, but moving over to defense. The Ravens' defense has... Not been amazing in some aspects this year. Tackling being one of them, the pass defense being another. There are a couple other things sprinkled in as well, but it just hasn't been the same Ravens defense, I think, throughout these first seven games the team has played that I think a lot of people have gotten used to over the course of the Ravens franchise history. So when looking at the trade deadline, they are going to get some players back eventually. Derek Wolf is seemingly close to a return. You have Chris Westry who could come back soon, a couple other guys as well. But it seems like they could use some reinforcements at a couple different positions. Spencer, do you see it that way? Do you you see a couple positions where the Ravens could definitely improve their defense at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think that with this defensive line, especially, they are anticipating potentially not having Brandon Williams next year. I don't think Brandon Williams has been playing the type of football 
that they expected him to or that he expects himself to or that he did earlier in his career. Uh, the, the run defense hasn't been particularly strong. He hasn't been creating stalemates with leverage like he used to. He's been losing a lot of reps. He had a really rough game against Cincinnati. There can, of course, be some lingering kind of injury or hurt. So, you know, it's not to say he's not capable. We don't know what's going on. There's tons of variables, but play hasn't been quality. And that just amplifies his inability to rush the passer. And having him on the field at this point for uh, well over 100 passes defended halfway through the season, he has, I think, two, three sacks over the last four years at this point. The pressures are minimal, never in the 20s there. Um, so that, that's a rough area, and he's gone next year. He has a $13 million cap hit this year. The Ravens kind of eventually had to pay the Pied Piper with him, and that was this year. His salary isn't even that high, but they've just deferred so much money to this year. So uh, that's the position that they're in. Clayus Campbell has been playing really great football, as he always does. But he also is under contract next year. So the defensive front is the one area where we might see Eric DaCosta go a little bit bargain free agent shopping and use a draft pick to acquire someone that uh, he might have targeted in free agency instead. I think that's what happened with Marcus Peters, knowing they wanted to get a cornerback to pair with Marlon Humphrey. And then again, with Unique Ngakwe, they wanted to see his fit on the defense. They got a little, uh, you know, a little uh, taste test. They got a little sample with him. They're able to feel it out and. Ultimately, it wasn't a fit. And guess what? The Ravens traded a fifth round pick for Yannick Ngakwe, and now they're going to get a fourth round pick back for him. So that's equal value a year apart. That's kind of how the trade charts work that uh, each year, you know, if it's one year in the future, it's one round up. So they pretty much got Yannick Ngakwe for free, just had to pay him the rest of the year and end up getting a comp pick out of it, most likely. So uh, they do get a pick back. And ultimately, I, I think that we could see something interesting. I think if there's a obscure splash that is made it could be a player like maybe a Duran Payne in Washington a player who's a first round pick he's under contract next year his cap hit would be manageable this year this is a little bit more of maybe like a Madden type trade you know something I'm just speculating but I think he's a good example of a player that would bring in a more uh, pass rush prowess as playing a zero and one tech position a high pedigree player and someone who's under contract for next year he's paid eight and a half million next year I believe in his fifth year option which is pretty manageable for a high quality interior young defensive lineman. And it would allow him to be able to make some serious uh, noise this year and have control next year. So that was an interesting place to look in the cheaper category. Maybe you could go look at a Jihad Ward, a guy that has kind of expressed on Instagram that he's going to play for the Ravens again at some point, if it's up to him. So uh, it would be a, a nice little get to go get a depth player like that. Is it going to make a huge difference? Maybe, maybe not. Could you get him in free agency next year if you want? Sure. So, I think that's an example of a high-impact player versus maybe more of a rotational player that could help a little bit there. So at this point, I think those are the big areas. And then the final one is cornerback because they're at the mercy of the football gods right now with Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith, two players who are no strangers to the trainer's room. Unfortunately, two talented guys, but that's been the nature of their careers. Jimmy Smith even said it. That's kind of the story of his career, talented but injured uh, a couple weeks ago at a press conference. So if one of them goes down, you still don't have Chris Westry. Uh, Brandon Stevens, you know, can match up with some guys, but I don't think you want him doing that full time. And you're really thin. So I think that getting a Kyle Fuller, if the Broncos were willing to eat his cap, uh, a couple million dollars there for a, a late pick would be a nice way to make sure you have experience in, in that cornerback room. Is Kyle Fuller lighting the world on fire at this point in his career? No, he's not. But he could definitely be a nice, nice depth piece that you could get on the field now and, of course, have him in case of emergency. So I think those are the two areas in this defense where uh, you could do something cheap. You could find a relatively logical player, and it might not make a huge difference, but you could do something cheap 
that wouldn't really affect capital or, or cap hits or anything like that and would be able to fortify this defense because you are 5-2. and two, You are in the first place in your division. You do have an MVP caliber quarterback who has one on his mantle already. So you got to do something probably, but if they ultimately don't, I think we understand. And then uh, the, the excuses next year for another conservative year are going to grow thin, I think, in this Ravens fan base. People are chomping at the bit. Uh, you know, they, they, there's, there's so many, oh, they, they sniffed around DeAndre Hopkins. They did this, they did that. Uh, they do ultimately get Marcus Peters and do some things, but with Lamar Jackson, at some point you have to go all the way in just a little bit. You got to go into the deep end a little bit and, and take a couple risks in order to get the biscuit. So uh, I'm not sure what we see, but, or if we see anything, but I think those are areas it'd be wise to address. Yeah. And the Ravens in 2022 projected to have 10 picks right now nine of those picks in the first four rounds. So they definitely have the capital to make something happen. It's just a matter of how many of those picks do they think they need and want to have for the draft or for the off season, instead of making a move for right now. But Spencer, I know another position that people have been talking about is an inside linebacker, obviously with Patrick queen being there, Malik Harrison now on the NFI list, Josh Bynes playing well. I know miles Jack has been a name that's been mentioned. His contract is pretty decently sized though for the next couple of seasons do you see any way the Ravens look to the inside linebacker position and try to make a move there or do you think they're pretty much set with Bynes and Queen and and even Harrison Welch and the others as well Uh, it wouldn't be shocking if they brought in a vet Um, I I think somebody that could just continue to have that presence in the film room and give you a little bit more stability you know what you're getting with them Uh, I wouldn't be shocked by that I think it'd be logical if they did it for you know a, a fourth round pick one of them for a linebacker that's still got some tread on their tires and, and a lot of experience. I think that would be logical for sure. They've had some tackling woes, but I think they're kind of really putting a lot on Patrick Queen to continue playing like he has the last two weeks or the last two games rather and continue to build him back up. And Josh Bynes, of course, has been playing really well. So why are you going to go away from something that's working with Josh Bynes? He's been doing a good job. So you feel confident there. Uh, ultimately, could they use another, you know, it, it just would be really nice to have LJ Ford at this point. Uh, maybe they wouldn't have had to bring Bynes back in if they did have Ford, but Bynes has been doing a nice job regardless. So they've uh, made moves at linebacker before with Malik Harrison in question just a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll hear more about that situation, I'm sure, in the coming days and weeks. But uh, it, it wouldn't be a shocking move. But I just, again, don't think that's a move that's ultimately going to help them or prevent them from reaching their goals is, uh, is the linebacker play. It feels like it's ultimately going to fall in that offensive line. Yeah, I agree. And people talk about the loss of Peters this year, but I think Fort was such a huge one for this defense. And Bynes has done a good job of coming in, but I agree, Spencer. I think the Ravens would love to have Fort right now. But all right, Spencer, your final trade deadline prediction, both sides of the ball. Do the Ravens make a trade during the 2021 trade deadline, yes or no? And if so, what position is it for? I think that Eric DaCosta just can't help himself is to make a little move, at least. I think people forget even three years ago, he acquired Ty Montgomery at the end of uh, the trade deadline there. So I think there is some sort of reinforcement on the way. He is going to burn the phone wires. He is going to spend all evening, all day tomorrow, trying to figure something out. Uh, I, I do think we see a moderate move, a small move, you know, for a conditional pick or something of the sort. If not, there's some sort of wave situation with the player, maybe a Jihad Ward, the Jaguars will just let go, something like that. So I would be surprised to see them uh, completely sit back, but it wouldn't be shocking at all. Uh, just a, a little bit surprised him not make a move. Again, I think you just owe it to Lamar Jackson to try to do something when you're sitting at five and two and first in your division. And the Ravens are a team that looks like they can beat anyone any Sunday, uh, especially with a quarterback like that. So at the end of the day, I think they do make a 
medium-sized deal, a moderate deal, and go get a vet that can help them out a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you, Spencer. I'll I'll narrow it down to running back and corner. I, don't, I just have a hunch. I don't know. I think of way he was their offensive line acquisition. And on the defensive line, I think their acquisition is Derek Wolf, And I think it's a good thing to have there because you don't have to go out and give the capital away because you have such a good player coming back. But I, I don't know. Eric Acosta is always aggressive, always trying to make deals and make moves, even if nothing kind of materializes, as you mentioned, you know, sniffing around DeAndre Hopkins and all those different things. So at some point you got to kind of get in there and actually get the deal done, but it shows that he is actually aggressive. So I'll say running back or cornerback, hopefully the Ravens do make a move, but if not, honestly, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I feel like they have confidence in their roster right now. So I'll say they will make a moderate move just like you, but again, wouldn't be shocking if they didn't make anything. We'll head into our final break now, though. When we get back, we'll be switching gears a bit, talking about the AFC North. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be back soon. But in life, we're all bound for different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure or bound for passion, bound for discovery, or even bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or maybe you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, you know, when I'm at a beach resort, you can be bound at the poolside bar, or even creating a taco flight. But with beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. We return here. It's our final segment of this Locked on Ravens Tuesday edition. Kevin Allstriker still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, as we kind of move away from the trade deadline a bit and just talk about this AFC North, which right now the Ravens are atop. In first place, they didn't have to do anything. The Bengals losing to the New York Jets, 34 to 31 in the Meadowlands. So that puts the Ravens at five and two and the Bengals at five and three. Also, the Steelers and the Browns faced off in week eight with the Steelers coming out on top 15 to 10. Spencer, it seems like this division is very wide open. And I know a lot of people had the Ravens and the Browns being the favorites early on. Cleveland's dealt with their injuries, just like the Ravens have. All the Ravens have been, I think, a bit more snake bitten in that regard. You have Cincinnati, who, although had a very impressive win against the Ravens, that Jets win, or the Jets beating the Bengals just seemingly put them back into the, hey, is this team for real or not? And obviously with Pittsburgh, you can't count them out with Mike Tomlin, but I think it goes as far as Ben Roethlisberger takes them. So just how wide open is this division for you right now, Spencer? I do think it's relatively wide open. I also do think that the Ravens are going to ultimately prevail in this division. They have the experience. They have the quarterback. Uh, they've been there. They're not afraid of any moments. They've been in these situations. They have the faith. It is nothing big, nothing crazy, no pressure on them at all at this point. They've done it. And we see the Bengals win the big game. They they go have the emotional win against the team that's bullied them the most the last couple of years. And they immediately kind of you know pee down their leg the following week and drop a game to the New York Jets with a backup quarterback. They had a, the if you think that the Ravens have been bad tackling this year, the Bengals had 15 missed tackles against a New York Jets team that uh it doesn't have a ton of high caliber players necessarily. Michael Carter did a great job. We're not here to talk about the Jets though, but uh, the Bengals have a tough schedule. They're going to play the Browns, they're going to play the Raiders, they're going to play the Steelers, the 49ers, the Chargers. Those are their next few games. Again, the Ravens, they do have the Broncos who are frisky and they still have to play the Chiefs as well. So not really too many gimmies in there. The Broncos could be belly up by the time they play December 19th, but 
Bengals don't really have any weeks off. Their bye week is going to come after this Browns game. The Browns are kind of desperate right now for a win, so I think they're a little bit dangerous. They also have a ferocious pass rush. And Miles Garrett, to transition into the Browns, is the reason why I think that the Browns are still dangerous. Baker Mayfield's shoulder injury, the Browns passing woes, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt's health, their offensive line's health, Jack Conklin goes down. They are definitely wounded. But the Browns, I think, are going to come on really strong over the last couple of weeks of the season. Once they do finally get that bye, I think they'll be able to uh, lick their wounds and go on a run and maybe win a a couple of the last final games there, including the January 9th game against the Bengals, which could have severe or probably will have severe playoff implications. But at this point, the Bengals are kind of staring down a loaded gun and going to have to really play some big boy football. I think they do have it in them. I think they are a playoff team from what I've seen, but... I don't think they're the ones who can really cement and run away with this division right now. I don't think they have the experience. I don't think they have enough necessary talent defensively to really prevail. They have a good system and good players, but as the season wears on and as things wear thinner, I think they just aren't quite ready to be that dominant team. And then the other team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can never count them out. Mike Tomlin, incredible coach. Ben Roethlisberger is putting balls where they need to be, even though he doesn't have any zip. He's letting his playmakers make plays. Their offensive line is starting to come together. I absolutely love Najee Harris. He is my favorite running back prospect in the last couple of years. I think that he is a dynamic stud and is going to continue doing great things while Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool can make some noise. Pat Fryermuth coming on strong, someone I really liked as a pass catcher and thought was a potential option for the Ravens in the draft this past year. So, and additionally, they have that defense with TJ Watt, Devin Bush, Mika Fitz. I mean, they're going to play. They're an upper tier defense. They're going to play high quality defense. I think that the Steelers are going to grind out maybe a nine and eight, a 10 and seven type season. And I think all four of these teams are going to be in the thick of the hunt. Ultimately, um, again, the Browns just don't have the mojo offensively and they do have a really strong defense. Miles Garrett can single-handedly beat the Ravens at this point. Almost, you know, he hasn't been able to really do that yet but he's going to present problems. The Ravens don't have Orlando Brown or Ronnie Stanley to fight with him. Uh, you know, they, they can present matchup problems for a lot of teams. I think they're going to be in that, you know, eight, nine, nine and eight range. Ultimately, we're looking at the Browns schedule. Uh, they, they do have a pretty tough schedule as well, but they do have a couple of gimmies there. They got the lions. Um, they also, well, really that's the only one they, they still have to play the Packers. They still have to play the Patriots. Uh, that's going to be a tough game coming up after the Bengals game. Uh, they're going to have to play the Ravens twice in three weeks with that bye wedged in there. So uh, considering they do have that bye and they're playing them essentially back to back, I do think the Browns will be able to win at least one of those games against the Ravens. So uh, finally, you know, they're playing on Christmas against Aaron Rodgers. That's a tough one. And uh, I think that, you know, this division is going to have four teams competing, competing for a playoff spot. And at the end of the day, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be the ones that, are able to run away with it a little bit. I think the Dolphins is kind of a layup after a Vikings team that is kind of beaten, damned, and broken. So when you're looking at all these schedules and taking that into account, now that we know the landscape of the NFL, you know, injuries can happen. You know, this Sunday, the Ravens, you know, entire roster could change from injuries. Anything can happen. But the Vikings are beaten up. They don't have Daniel Hunter. They're going to have to travel, coming off a really devastating loss. Uh, I don't think they're looking so hot. And then you're going to go travel to Miami to play a team that, has an aberrant offensive line, a young and experienced quarterback that's never played the Ravens. And then guess what? The same situation the following week against the Bears. The Ravens could very easily win their next three straight, somewhat handedly over three teams with losing records that are licking their wounds. Um, you know, the Vikings probably the most dangerous there. And then they go play the Browns. So uh, at that point, the Ravens could win three or four straight before the Browns get that bye. And at that point, you're looking at a you know nine-win team maybe somewhere around the beginning of December. And that's going to be a team that 
uh, has a couple tough games down the stretch as well as, as they still do have to play the Packers and the Rams. But I think the Ravens can still churn out 11, 12, maybe even 13 wins, depending on what happens with this trade deadline and walks away with the AFC North title. I think we're going to see at least three AFC North teams in the playoffs. Yeah, Spencer, such a talented division. And just when talking about how much talent is in there, you know, the, obviously the quarterbacks with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, the defenses as well. But I do agree. I think the Ravens are still their division to lose. But I still think that the Bengals can make some noise, especially as they try to work their way into a playoff spot. Same thing with Cleveland, as you mentioned, and Pittsburgh, as you've talked about, you can never count them out. Spencer, when looking at the three opponents that the Ravens have in the AFC North, their divisional foes and Cleveland and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, which one of those teams would you say is the biggest challenger to Baltimore in the AFC North? Is it Cleveland, as you mentioned, with Miles Garrett and some of the talent that they have on their roster? Is it Pittsburgh? Or do you even think it's Cincinnati, who already beat them handily once? Well, you ultimately have to look at the quarterbacks. And I think that Ben Roethlisberger is not playing quite as poorly as people have joked and, and thought about. He can still go win games. Um, he is going to be able to pull out some of those late victories. I think the Steelers are going to start clicking at the right time. Uh, I don't think Baker Mayfield is doing so hot, frankly, with the injuries, with the Odell Beckham injury, with the Jart. All of their their entire offense has been riddled with injury, so they're going through it as well, similar to what the Ravens have had. But uh, you, I think the Bengals have the second-best quarterback in the division in Joe Burrow. I think that they have a good defense that can help, you know, keep them in games, if nothing else. Uh, they're they're going to be, you know, rarely letting up over 30 points, it feels like, and injuries can change the landscape. But looking at the quarterback situation, the offense and defense considered, and the fact that the Bengals don't have a bad special teams unit either, I think that they are definitely the biggest challenger. Uh, I do think the Ravens will beat them in their next matchup. I think they'll have a different game plan. They wanted to go, you know, take a ride on the Jamar Chase kind of island and uh, figured out that maybe that's not such a great idea. So they're going to try and make T Higgins and Tyler Boyd beat them. And I think they absolutely can do that and might have a little bit of a different recipe by the time they play again. I think that having Sammy Watkins and Nick Boyle back in addition to Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, this offense is going to have some fun games coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Khalil Mack is hurt on the bears. Their defense hasn't been incredible. Um, the Vikings, you know, struggling in the secondary and no Daniel Hunter, as well as those dolphins that uh, played an admirable game against the bills. But at this point they're kind of belly up at, one and seven and, and licking their wounds on a Thursday night game. So uh, maybe, you know, a, a short week can do the Ravens a little bit dirty, but uh, I anticipate the Ravens are, are really going to be able to make a run. And I think the Bengals are the team they're going to have to thwart off in the end to make sure that they take home that divisional crown for the fourth straight season or no three of the last four years. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Spencer. It's Cincinnati for me. Then I have Cleveland. Then I have Pittsburgh. You know, I, I do think that Cleveland, they just have so much talent on both sides of the ball. Now it's a matter of if the offense can get healthy and if Mayfield can play at a better level than he's been playing at, because I agree it hasn't been hasn't been great this year for him. But I still think that Cincinnati is that team you have to worry about if you're the Ravens right now because of the high-powered offense and everything that they have going for them at this point. The loss of the Jets puts things in, puts things in perspective for them, I think. But at the same time, I think the Ravens win, or the, yeah, the win they had over the Ravens, you know, that, that's not something that this team is going to take lightly when they see them again in a couple of weeks. But Spencer, that's all I have for you here today. Thank you so much for coming on the show once again. What's on the docket for you this week? Well, we're going to be doing a, uh, I just wrote an article that came out regarding some little more info and numbers into some of those players I mentioned at the trade deadline. You can find that at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. I will be going over the Vikings game film and also be doing a little bit of a mid-season review film-wise and looking at what 
what has worked for the Ravens, what has not worked for the Ravens, and uh, some ways they might have trimmed fat through the bye week from their playbook, as well as some of their you know personnel usage. So those are the things you can all find. BaltimoreBeatdown.com, at Ravens4Dummies on Twitter, uh, Baltimore underscore Beatdown on Instagram, and all that usual stuff. You guys have heard it a thousand times at this point, but we'll just uh, be keeping the content coming and, and looking forward to a Vikings game. And then I uh, will be traveling down to Miami to go see the Ravens play in Miami next week. So that'll be exciting as well. And uh, if you're down there by chance, make sure to hit me up on Twitter. Maybe we can link up and uh, talk a little bit of Ravens football. So thank you so much for having me on Kevin. Make sure to give Kevin five stars, share this podcast with you with a friend, give the man who gives you the best daily Ravens coverage, a little bit of some rewards there. Give him his flowers while he's doing it. Appreciate you, Kevin. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much, Spencer. All, all the links to Spencer's work will be in the description below, obviously, for following along with us here on YouTube. And go meet up with him in Miami. You know, there's there's no negative to meeting up with him in Miami, especially for a Ravens game that I think will go pretty well for the Baltimore Ravens. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be answering your mailbag questions. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.